Welcome to the Faithful Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Basil, and our Faithful Friends Podcast podcast is part of the Faithful Friends community, bringing you, the people who love pets and animals, the best information for your pets. And our Faithful Friends Podcast podcast is brought to you by The River of Calm, music to soothe your soul. The River of Calm is an online radio community that plays calming music for a stressed out world And that includes humans and pets, so check them out at www.theriverofcalm.com. Well, let's get right to it here. It's, you know, it's hard enough for, as humans, for us to navigate through life, let alone if you have a disability, and then it can be overwhelming. And that's why we are proud to have this podcast featuring a wonderful organization, Canine Companions for Independence who enhance the lives of people with disabilities by providing highly trained assistant dogs and ongoing support. How cool is that? So please welcome to our podcast, the CEO of Canine Companions for Independence, Paige Mazzoni. Paige, welcome to the Faithful Friends Podcast Podcast. Thank you so much, Adam. Very excited to be here. Oh, and we're thrilled to have you, and so is our community here. Now, Can you tell us a little bit, tell us how CCI was founded? Sure. So uh, Canaan Companions was founded in about 1975, and it was founded Mm -hmm. by a woman named Bonnie Bergen, who Mm -hmm. um, realized that there were service dogs helping people who were blind, but there were no service dogs helping people with physical disabilities of other kinds or hearing Mm -hmm. or other types of disabilities. And so she realized that dogs could also be trained to help people with a much wider variety of disabilities. So that's how we were founded um, here in Santa Rosa, California. Oh, cool. Very nice on that. And what a kind spirit and soul (laughs) that was to have founded this. Exactly. And and visionary too. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And I want to know more about your vision here, but when... What does Canine Companions, you know, what are the benefits? What do you do? Can you explain a little bit more for our audience? Sure. So we provide highly trained service dogs for people with over 65 kinds of disabilities. So some of them are physical disabilities. We also provide dogs for people um, who have psychological disabilities. So veterans with PTSD can receive our dogs. And the dogs are are trained to do actual tasks to, mm-hmm. to mitigate the symptoms of these different diseases. So they can pull open a drawer, um, pull open a door. They can wake up a veteran who's having a nightmare and interrupt their nightmare and wake them up. Um, they can turn on lights. For people with a hearing disability, they alert them to sounds. So if a fire alarm is going off, they will alert the person and take them to the sound so they know what to do. So they do a variety of things, but they're very specifically trained you know, pick things up off the floor for someone who's in a wheelchair. They they do things mm-hmm. that help people have more independence in their life and and have more ability to kind of live their life to the fullest. So they're they're an extra helper at all times. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. That truly is amazing. And what a bond between humans and pets, you know. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's all about the human canine bond and kind of the power of that bond. And so our dogs, you know, 
over time, we follow up for life with when we, when we pair a team, we call the person and the dog a team. And, Mm -hmm. um, over time they just continue to kind of customize commands or tasks to help the person more and more. So if someone's having a hard time, our dog, can get the laundry out of out of the washing machine and bring it to them. They can, um, a lot of our uh, clients train the dogs to go get a specific drink out of the fridge and bring it to them. So they can do all kinds of things. And the partnership, mm-hmm. our goal is that that partnership for life is so strong that it just continues to add more and more value. Oh my, this is a feel-good story of feel-good <laughs> stories here. It is. Wow. Now, so look, tell me, how does how does somebody become a recipient of a canine companion? We have an application process, and it's a pretty involved application process because we want to be sure there, there are different types of service dogs, and we want to be mm-hmm. sure that our dogs are the right kind. So um, people start the application online, and then it goes to an interview process. We do an interview on in person to kind of mm-hmm. see what their dog handling skills are. And it doesn't mean they have to have good dog handling skills. It just lets us know what kind of dog would be best for them. We talk right. to people a lot about, you know, where do you live? What's your daily life like? How active are you? Do you ride public transportation? And all mm-hmm. of those things go into throughout the process. Once you're accepted to the um, program, And the acceptance Mm -hmm. isn't on whether or not you're worthy. It's whether or not we can serve your need. And we talk, Mm -hmm. we get doctor's reports. We get all kinds of things that enable us to determine, will our dogs kind of fill the need appropriately? Once you go Mm -hmm. through all that, you're invited to a two-week team training on our campuses. You stay in our dorms and you go through a two-week intensive, you know, here's how you handle a dog. Here's what public access for a service dog means. Um, here's what your rights are with a service dog. And then as part of that, you get paired with the dog. So the first couple of days you work with a variety of dogs and then we mm-hmm. do what we call the magic of the match. And we kind of figure out both temperament wise, emotionally, and then for lifestyle, how do we, mm-hmm. how do we pick the perfect dog? And it's, we have a 98% success rate with these matches. So, um, wow. it's one of the things we're kind of known for that we're really good at figuring out, you know, if there's someone that's really active, we'll give them a more active dog. If there's someone that really needs a lot of kind of emotional support, we'll give them more of a cuddly dog. So it's, but all the dogs can wow. do the same tasks, but we'll really pair the personalities as well. That is amazing. And how long did it take to develop this this amount of qualifying and, you know, to be able to pair the right dog? That seems like a lot of work that's gone into this. A lot of work, a lot of research, actually. We do a lot of research as well. Um, and we kind of constantly track our results and, and look at what we could do better. So I would say it's it's an evolving, constantly improving thing. I mean, we're always looking for what can we do better and how can we do it better. So, you know, since the 1970s, we've been working on it and we have a lot of really incredible trainers that have been with us a long, long time and people in our program who really understand what the graduates need. So we've really focused on how do we build on our success and not rest on our laurels, but continue to improve it. So I, it's, it's not a, it's not a thing that we're done doing. We'll, we'll continue mm-hmm. to constantly try to improve it. Bravo on that. Wow. Now, are there certain types of dogs who make great companions? Um, I would, I would, say all dogs make great companions, not all dogs make great service dogs. Um, mm-hmm. So we have, uh, we have 
purpose-bred dogs. So our dogs are all golden retrievers, black labs, yellow labs, or a mix um, Mm -hmm. across of the three. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. for specific reasons. They're intelligent. um, They're they're working dogs. They like to work, but at the same time, they're not hyper-driven or assertive. Mm -hmm. Because one thing, Mm -hmm. for example, with our dogs, our dogs can't be reactive. So if, mm-hmm. if a dog comes up and growls at them, they can't growl mm-hmm. back. They have to literally sit mm-hmm. there because their focus needs to be on their person, not on that dog. So um, our breeds have this nice combination of loveliness and friendliness, but also mm-hmm. energy to work. And so that's, wow. and, and intelligence to learn all the commands. So that's why we have that combination. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I actually have a 10-month-old golden retriever puppy, <laughs> and she is nothing but love. And I've never seen dogs come up to her, you know, aggressively, but she's just love. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. Oh, what a great breed on that. Now, now, are there dogs that don't qualify, that don't work in your program? Um, sure. Some of our dogs, that's my dog, excuse me. Um, she is not in our program. Um, uh, so there are dogs that are released, what we call released from the program. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and really they can be released for a variety of things. They can be released for distraction. So our dogs, and we have a super high bar. So something that for Mm -hmm. another dog would be a pet dog would be no big deal, could be a big deal. For example, Um, If you have a dog that when they walk down the street and sees a squirrel is very distracted by that squirrel, even if they don't chase Mm -hmm. it, but if their attention is locked onto that squirrel and we can't Mm -hmm. break that, that that could be a release dog. Because you have to imagine if that dog is pulling a wheelchair and they're suddenly focused on the squirrel, that could be a not great scenario. So they can be released for very small things like that. They can be released for surface nervousness. So if, Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. when they're crossing from concrete to grass to more of a slippery interior floor, if they get nervous and kind of balk, they could be released Mm -hmm. for that. So our dogs really have to be, uh, it's a terrible term, but I have not come up with another one to explain it. They really have to be bulletproof. They have to be able to handle anything. Um, and so oh, wow. w- part of what we say about our release dogs is they're still incredible dogs, um, but they, mm-hmm. they just aren't at that super, super duper level where they can take anything and be a service dog. Well, when you say squirrels, the evil squirrel nation, you know, <laughs> trying to get a dog to not react, that that takes some training. My gosh. Wow. Yeah, it mm. does. <laughs> okay. So tell me this. Uh, you said you were based in Santa Rosa, but do you also have regional training centers? We do. Our headquarters is in Santa Rosa, and then we have six regions. One of them is co-located in Santa Rosa and covers um, Mm -hmm. about 11 states in the Northwest. And then we have a center in Oceanside, California, which is near San Diego. They Mm -hmm. cover another group of states. We have one in New Albany, Ohio, which is near Columbus. Mm -hmm. Um, They have, I think, 14 states. Um, And then we have a center in Texas near Dallas, Um, another center in Long Island, New York that has a bunch of states Mm -hmm. and another, Mm -hmm. the final sixth one is in Orlando, Florida. And that covers the Southeast. Cool. Paige, how do you keep track of all this? My gosh. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a lot, but we have an amazing, very, very dedicated staff. Um, and so we all work together. It's a great team. (laughs) Very cool. Now let's talk real costs for this. You know, 
let's say somebody applies and, and you know, and you think they're a good match for one of your com- companions. What are the costs to the recipient? There is no charge at all to the recipient for the dogs. They get them free. Um, so their only costs are, you know, dog food, medical care, you know, mm-hmm. what you, the normal cost to own a pet and keep it in good health. But there is mm-hmm. absolutely zero cost for any of the follow-up or for receiving the dog. I'm stunned. Wow. Yeah, it's one of the great things. Because we don't want people um, to not be able to get a dog because of money. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I mean, when you think, well, you even mentioned PTSD, and it, just that alone can be debilitating to a person. Oh, yeah. But to have... To have a companion and somebody to help, you know, be by your side for life, that's for free. Wow. It's it's oh pretty wonderful. And our donors help make that happen. So it's really wow. nice. And and hats off to the donors, definitely, for making this happen. Oh, there's some good hearts there for sure. Definitely. Wow. Now, is there training for the recipient that we should know about? Um, so yes, that two there is the two week team training where they come in when they're being matched with their dog, and they mm-hmm. stay. We have dormitories on all of our six campuses, and they actually stay in the dorm, and mm-hmm. it's pretty intensive. They every day they get training on how to handle the dog, how to give the commands. We do field mm-hmm. trips out into the public so that they can practice in a store and and practice mm-hmm. public access parts. They mm-hmm. take um, there's there's some lecture parts to it that explain, you know, that the uh, American with Disabilities Act and and kind of what their rights are under that act, especially with the dog, how to travel with the dog, there's all kind of how to care for the dog, how to groom the dog, all kinds of things. Um, and so that is, that is the initial two weeks. And then we do follow-ups. So if someone is, you know, having a problem with a command or needs a new command, there's kind of ongoing access to training throughout the life of the partnership. Now, we've heard rumor, and correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> that there you have volunteer puppy raisers. Is this true? It is true. It is true. So um, our our mission would not happen without a lot of really wonderful volunteers. So we have uh, we have breeder caretaker volunteers, and then we also have puppy raiser volunteers. And the the breeder oh. caretakers are at the very beginning. They mm-hmm. um, they give a home to our breeder dogs and then mm-hmm. help whelp the puppy litters. They keep mm-hmm. the puppies until they're eight weeks and then they bring them to a campus and we check out all the puppies and then we assign those puppies to a volunteer puppy raiser. And those are, we have those in every state of the country. Um, so the volunteer puppy raiser has the dog from eight weeks or about eight weeks to about 18 months. And they're basically socializing them, getting them exposed to every kind of environment possible, um, giving them a very loving home and building their confidence, and then also teaching them kind of some of the more basic commands. Our, our command structure is very building block oriented. So they're the first set of building blocks. And then they, they turn them in. They have to go through getting attached to this dog for 18 months. And then they turn the dog into a center and they are then go through six to the nine or 11 months of professional training with our professional trainers before they're matched. So it's a, yeah, it's a, critical, critical piece of our, our process. And, um, mm-hmm. our puppy raisers are amazing human beings and they, yeah. they give a lot, they give of their heart. 
and of their furniture too. Exactly. From <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Let's look at the big picture of Canine Companions for Independence. Now, can you tell me a little bit about your vision and strategic direction and where you're going? Sure. Um, so uh, we are faced with basically the scenario that there are way more people that want our dogs than we have dogs for right now. So our vision mm-hmm. and strategy is all about getting more dogs to more people um, mm-hmm. faster than we can do it right now. So we are building a new canine health and wellness center that will allow us to, um, I mean, there's no easy way to say it, get more puppies out into the world more quickly. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It'll allow us to expand our operations on that front. We're also looking at how do we make it easier for people to get placed with our dogs. So mm-hmm. we're looking at, can we do some of our trainings in a mobile way? So we go to mm-hmm. people in remote, remote locations instead of them having the cost of getting to a training center. So we're mm-hmm. looking at that. Um, mm-hmm. We're looking at making sure that we are very inclusive and diverse in all the people we're welcoming into our um, community, both in terms of clients, but also volunteers. So, you know, mm-hmm. can everyone from every community out there get access to us? That's, that's important mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at, you know, how do we, how do we amplify our story so that we mm-hmm. get more people involved? How do we get more strategic partnerships that are there for the long term that allow us to get more mm-hmm. dogs to more people? So it's, the thing we never want to do is lose kind of the heart and family feeling and very, very, very strong focus on high quality that we have. That's core to who we are and we will never lose that. Mm -hmm. So we want to protect that. And at the same time, figure out how do we expand in a way that isn't too, too costly for us to handle and also Mm -hmm. isn't, isn't negating that quality, but is just allowing us to get more dogs to more people. So we have a, a lot of initiatives underway and it's really exciting time. Oh, it sounds like it. I mean, you are do-gooders if there ever has been, (laughs) but again, you are funded and just correct me if I'm wrong. You're funded by donations and donors. Is that correct? hundred percent. Correct. Yes. So, um, we, we take a little bit from the Wounded Warrior Grant, and that is our only government funding, and it's a very, very small percentage. It's somewhere mm-hmm. between 3 and 5% um, of mm-hmm. our – and the rest is donors, um, a lot of individual wow. donors, some corporate donors. But, yes, it is donation. <laughs> wow. So for that, how can people find you? What's the best way to find you, not uh, only for more information about Canine Companions for Independence, but also to donate? Uh, sure. So our website is www.cci.org. And there are there's information on donating, there's information on volunteering. There are a lot of great stories about our, our graduates and how we've changed their lives. And so it's all on the website. Glad to hear that. CCI.org, yes. correct? Yes. Well, we'll make sure our listeners know about this. It's You just have an incredible initiative here that's been going on from some really kind-hearted people, a lot of kind-hearted people, exactly. to say the least. Exactly. Wow. Can you share one of your best, as our as a wrap-up question, can you share one of your best success stories that you can think of? Sure. I. Uh, it's hard to pick one. We have a, a lot of really great ones, but I will share one from... Um, we are, our PTSD program for veterans is fairly new, and the first class of gentlemen 
um, I went over at lunch one day to talk to them and see how they were doing. And, and one of them said to me, I said, is it, you know, what do you think? Is it going to help? And he said, oh my gosh, you know, I've, I've spent a couple of nights with the dog and it's already a life changing experience. And he mm-hmm. said, um, it was, it was an interesting conversation because he, you know, said there are so many veterans that commit suicide every day mm-hmm. and you have the ability to affect that number. And it really was a powerful statement that we must do that. And the same gentleman, I saw him at an event about six months later. And one of the things our dogs do for um, veterans with PTSD is they create space for them in public. And Mm -hmm. as I walked, and this, this gentleman was actually giving a speech, which in itself is a success. That was not something he could have done a year before. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, I walked toward him to say hello, and the dog walked right in front of me and stopped me cold in my tracks because I was walking toward him too quickly. And I looked at Steve, and he said, he's creating space for me, and that's what he does. <laughs> it, was, it was really great. It was really great. So that's, that's kind of a, a great story on that side. And then if, if I can, there's one more I want to share because it's sure, a really powerful sure. story. So we have a hearing graduate. We have dogs for people with um, – profound deafness or slight hearing loss, we have hearing dogs. And mm-hmm. there's a woman on the East Coast that I met who was explaining to me that her dog one day was alerting her and kept taking her to the basement door. And she couldn't mm-hmm. figure out why the dog was taking her to the basement door because it was not a place where they spent time. It wasn't a finished basement. Mm-hmm. And so finally she said, all right, fine, take me to the basement. So the dog went down to the basement and took her to the CO2 alarm, which was going off. Oh. And she was like, oh, so she went outside and called 911. The fireman came. It was a gas leak under 12 houses. And if anyone had turned on a stove, all 12 houses would have blown up. Oh, wow. So the dog saved like a whole neighborhood. <laughs> oh my gosh. You cannot. Wow. Yeah. 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 You win. You win. <laughs> it's a great story. <laughs> totally. That's a great story. And I, I, I trust all our faithful friends, listeners, will come to cci.org to learn more about you. There you have it, our Faithful Friends podcast with the CEO of Canine Companions for Independence, Paige Mazzoni. Paige, thank you so much for being with us today, and thank you for all that you do. And thank you to all our listeners in the Faithful Friends community. Thank you very much. <laughs>